Well, as uh, Kelly and Jeff have said, this is Blessing Sunday, and uh, I'm particularly excited about the second blessing activity of the day, the, the blessing of the animals. We have extra flyers here at this door if you want to put it on your refrigerator to remind you at 335 to come back with your animal. But you have not been forthcoming with how many of you are coming. So could I see hands of those that are planning to come? Okay. How many of you are bringing animals? How many of you are bringing snakes? Good to go. Okay, okay. Of course, you don't have to bring an animal to come. All are welcome to celebrate the gifts that animals are to our worldwide family. We're holding this following the the feast day of St. Francis, who was known for his love of animals. And it will feature the St. Andrew's ukulele guitar band leading us into butterfly song. And we'll read scripture. And for the animals that are a blessing in our lives now, and for the memories of those who have been a blessing to us who have passed on, we will have prayer. So a young mother was trying to teach her daughter to pray by memorizing what we call the Lord's Prayer. And as she was repeating phrase after phrase, she got to this one phrase that said, and deliver us from email. (laughs) These last, last couple of years, some of us may be facing virtual fatigue But I can't imagine what our lives would be like or would have been like without these ability to communicate with each other through email and Zoom and Facebook and FaceTime. Two weeks ago, like Julia did, I was leading the prayers. uh, Rather than, I typed out my prayer, but rather than type out the Lord's Prayer again, I just went to a previous prayer and copied and pasted. Unfortunately, I copied and pasted from when I was a Lutheran interim pastor, and so I trespassed (laughs) instead of debted. When it comes to the prayer, our Lord taught Lutherans are trespassers, Presbyterians are debtors. Maybe that's because we went into debt to buy property on which we don't Lutherans trespassing. How many of you know that prayer by heart? And when did you learn it? Was it Sunday school? Was it confirmation class? For me, it was communicants class. They wouldn't let me take communion until I could memorize the Lord's Prayer and Psalm 23. But the prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer is not a prayer the Lord needed to pray. It's the prayer he was asked to teach his disciples to pray. But if he had the ability to make bread out of rocks, he didn't need to ask for daily bread. It couldn't have been a temptation if it wasn't a possibility. Like, I'm not tempted to dunk a basketball because I can't do it. But I am tempted to dunk a donut. 
Jesus didn't have any debts or trespasses or sins for which he needed to be forgiven. And he was led into temptation by the Holy Spirit immediately after his baptism. And I think that's why Jesus included that phrase in the prayer he taught. He was saying, believe me, I was led into temptation. You don't want to go there. Pray that you don't. So what we have in the Lord's Prayer is a prayer he disciples asked him to teach them to pray. However, in this morning's gospel, we have actually the words to a prayer that Jesus did pray. This is one of our Lord's prayers. Throughout the gospels, we read of Jesus going off alone to pray, and we don't know the content of those prayers. In fact, we only know what he prayed on a few occasions. We know he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane before he was arrested. He prayed that the cup of suffering would pass from him. And he agonized in that prayer to the extent of sweating blood. But he ended it with, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And then on the cross he prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And the them to which he referred were the soldiers who crucified him and those who instigated and went along with it. So in our gospel lesson this morning, we got to hear the longest of our Lord's prayers. (laughs) It's a long prayer, but I decided I didn't want to edit Jesus. My dear friend Steve Barnhill once told me that he believed the original sin was wanting to edit someone else's copy. And then remember in the Garden of Eden, the tempter said, you shall not die. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. The first edit. But when Jesus prayed the prayer we heard this morning, it was in the upper room with his disciples. He washed their feet. He had shared a Passover meal. He had predicted his death. He'd warned Peter that he would deny him three times. He'd taken bread and wine and given the disciples a ritual to remember him by after he's gone. He's revealed that his betrayer and sent sent him out to do what he determined to do quickly. And then Jesus prays. He prays that his followers would be one. Once a week we gather in this space to worship God, but then we scatter into the many different directions for six more days. We are one church gathered to grow, but scattered to sow. Our churches never needed to be reopened. They were never shut down. We just had to change our location and our configuration for a season. But we've been continuing to be the church wherever we are. The Greek word for church is ekklesia. It means called out. Ek means out. Kaleo is the verb that means to be called. So as followers of Jesus, we're called out of the world to gather here for fellowship and discipleship and worship. But then we're called out of here back into the world to make a difference. And that's been especially apparent over these last two years when many were not able to go to church. This week, some of us have been having church in homes as we've begun small groups. 
We were called out of the world to gather in homes and then called out to return to our world. And the focus of the first week was prayer. Jesus' prayer for us was that we would be united in purpose and scattered in mission to carry out that purpose. The people that Jesus prayed would be one, would be scattered into the world. Thomas would go to India. Philip would go to Samaria. James went to Spain. John went to Asia. Peter went to Lydia, Joppa, Caesarea. Bartholomew went to India and Armenia. St. Paul went to Cyprus and Turkey and Macedonia, Greek, Crete, and Italy. Andrew went to Russia, Romania, Ukraine, and became the patron saint of Scotland, the land where the Presbyterian Church was born. We are the called-out family. And like most families, our church family's day-to-day operation is not always marked with goodwill or cooperation. Like in our families, parents can disagree with each other. Children are youngsters with each other. There are so many possibilities for dissension. Goals will vary. Opinions often differ. Wills may clash. The church as the family of God has characteristics similar to our families, but with infinitely more possibilities for disagreement and dissension. But there are also infinitely more possibilities for mutual support and care and concern. And Jesus prayed that we would be one. Second, Jesus prayed that we'd be protected. You know, the police are charged to protect and serve our communities. The laws are designed to protect our society. Parents teach honesty and integrity to their children so they grow up to uphold decent norms of behavior. We all need others to work to keep us safe. However, some need protection from their parents. Some parents need protection from their children. So why would it surprise us? that our souls need to be safeguarded from the corruption of the world. Jesus prayed for his disciples that the Father would protect them, keep them from losing their way in the world. And so also do we need a safe environment. And I don't think this only means a safe physical environment, but a safe spiritual environment like this church, like this church family, as we seek to grow in our faith. Jesus prayed that we might know God. On this evening before his crucifixion, Jesus prays that the disciples would come to know God in a personal way. He's echoing those words of Moses, restating the lines in a brief phrase that they may know you, the only true God. Now, Jesus isn't talking about knowing God like you know your ABCs or assimilating data about God like we do with math and history. He wants us to know God intimately. Jesus wants us to teach others that, especially our children. Jesus prayed that we'd be one, that we'd be protected from the temptations of the world, but not taken out of it. And he prayed that we could know him and make him known by the love that we share and the way we live our lives 
and our common unity, our community. The right way to seek unity is for each church, and indeed each individual believer, to seek to be themselves, to reach out to those that God will reach through them. It involves sharing the love of Jesus with folks just as we are where we are. It is being God's family and reaching out to folks to welcome and include them in God's family. The genius of God's plan is obvious. If we recognize that we're all members of the same family, ideally we'll stop fighting each other and instead standing with one another and working to bring people to God's family and become an answer to the prayer to those who cry out for God's help. In John 10, verse 14, Jesus is talking to his disciples about being the good shepherd. He said, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me, just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. But then he says, I have other sheep that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. So they will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. Jesus said that to his Jewish disciples. And in light of our prayers in John 17, I think Jesus was thinking about some of us Gentile sheep. In verse 20, he says, I'm praying not only for these disciples alone, meaning the 11 Jewish disciples he was praying with in that room, but also for those who will believe in me because of their message. That's us. On the night Jesus was betrayed and arrested and deserted and tried and convicted and executed, he looks down the corridor of time and prays for us gathered in this room and for those of you uh, watching at home or wherever you're watching. We can be one even when we're not able to be in the same room. Jesus doesn't call us to be uniform, but to be unified. He doesn't want us to be identical, but identified with him, because no two fingerprints are alike. No two Christians are alike. No two identical twins are identical. Of course, there are theological issues and political issues that make us distinct from one another, And Jesus knew that would be the case. But his prayer was not that we'd be unanimous, but that we would have unity. That we would have unity in common and that we would have a common unity as a part of the community of faith. We can even study the same book in 12 different home groups. When we're a part of a community, it is well with our souls. I came across a story of a certain parishioner who had been attending services regularly, but suddenly stopped coming to church. And after some weeks, the minister decided to visit the absent member. It was a chilly evening. The minister found the man at home alone, sitting before a a blazing fire. Guessing the reason for the pastor's visit, he welcomed him, led him to a chair by the fireplace, and waited. The minister made himself comfortable, said nothing. And in grave silence, he contemplated the 
flickering of the flames. And then after some minutes, he took the tongs and carefully picked up a brightly burning ember and placed it to one side on the hearth. Then he sat back in his chair, still silent. The host watched all this in quiet fascination, and the lone ember's flame diminished. There was a momentary glow, but its fire, its fire was no more because it was cold and dead. Not a word had been spoken since the initial greetings, but as the minister rose to leave, the host said, Thank you so much for your visit, especially your fiery sermon. I shall be at church next Sunday. <laughs> Faith is maintained in fellowship. Apart from the fire, the ember cools and dies, and so does faith, apart from the fellowship which nurtures and sustains it. Over the centuries, the very day of, from the very day of Jesus' resurrection until now, the Christian faith has been kept alive in association, person to person, people together. Historically, it's been in community that the word was preserved. And still today, it is the case that our faith is born, nurtured, maintained, and sustained in community. Jesus' prayer for us is that we would be united in purpose, scattered in mission, to carry out that purpose. Keith Wagner describes the world in which we live and out of which we are called. He says the wor world young men and women are stepping into now is quite different from the world I graduated in. In the 60s, we lived under the Cold War. No one ever thought of terrorism. We didn't have cell phones or VCRs or DVDs. And instead of the Internet, we contacted our friends with a rotary phone. Gas cost about 30 cents a gallon, and it wasn't difficult to find a job. Even paying for college education in those days was relatively easy. But all that has changed. This is a different world. The world is much smaller because we can communicate anywhere in the world instantaneously. I have to turn my cell phone off when I'm preaching because it rings in my hearing aids. And since things like utilities and rent and health insurance, they're now so expensive. And the world travels in, fast, in the fast lane. And the majority of folks are doing whatever necessary to survive, even if it means stepping on people in the way. Our culture has changed, too. Our society is so more diverse. The company you work for may be owned by someone overseas. It's possible your next-door neighbor might be from Japan or Mexico or Vietnam. Your doctor will most likely be from another country. It's a very different world. My general practitioner is Bhuvana Muthaswamy. My neurologist is Igor Churches. My pulmonologist is Muro Karlakrishni Chelakani. My urologist is Michael Minio. My cardiologist is Danielle Chinchu. As much as I wish we could go back to 30 cents a gallon gas, we live in a different world now. This world now is the one Jesus wants us still 
to be united in purpose, protected from the evil one, and knowing God and making God known. In that world, we pray, Lord, deliver us some emails and Zoom rooms and texts and calls and blogs and videos and iTunes and even live stream sermons that encourage us to follow Jesus. In In that world, we pray, Lord, deliver us some home groups so we can get to know each other and be known. Let us teach our children to memorize the prayer the Lord taught. Let us learn how to pray for one another. Teach us to encourage one another through the myriads of ways that are available to us. Teach us to learn how to celebrate our diversity as we seek to be in unity so that we can not only ask the Lord to answer our prayers, but also that we might be an answer to our Lord's prayer. Let us pray. Thank you for praying for us. Thank you for the ways that we can be in unity with one another, protected from the evil one. and united in our service to you. Thank you that we have the possibility of being an answer to your prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm.